What's up, guys, and welcome back to BitCast, episode 115 for the week of August 21st, 2023. I'm your host, Jake Martin, and on the show, as always, we have Landry Smith. What's up, dude? Dude, good to see you, bro. I love these uh, bi-weekly hangouts. I was going to say, it's been two weeks since we last talked. So much has happened. Yes, a a lot has not happened in the gaming space, which is maybe why we chose the topic we did today. But a lot has happened uh, in life. True. Yeah, I saw there was like hurricane earthquakes over there on the West Coast for yeah, like man. the first time ever, I guess. So that that was a bad time. Yeah. If I mean, anytime I tune into the pulse of the world, it is either depressing or terrifying or maybe a little bit of both. And um, just don't look at the news. It's a sad time. Yeah. Every time. Ugh. Well, hey, we're not we're not here to be depressing. I'm excited uh, for this. I, you know, when you initially pitched this idea, so a little behind the scenes baseball. Landry is the mastermind for our outlines, uh, and so um, we uh, <laughs> it, he threw this this outline out, and you know, a little bit of looking ahead. We're we're talking about Baldur's Gate three, Charles Martinet, but the main topic is the PlayStation three games, and specifically our like top ones. And so at first, I was like, I don't. Landry, you, you you had a PS3, I'm assuming, right? This was uh, you you grew up with this, or you had one? Um, yeah, well, it was like my college. It was my college years. I think like PS3 maybe came out in 2006. I remember getting one in 2009, and uh, I went I went ham on it, man. I went I went okay. pretty hard into the PS3. Yeah, so I uh, I was like, oh, I don't know how much I can contribute, but I'm here today, and I'm excited about this. I'm excited to talk cool. about the PS3. But first, before we jump into any you know game related stuff, I just gotta I gotta vent for a little bit, Landry. <laughs> Let's hear it, man. Let's hear it. I I am so tired of the hellscape that is Twitter slash X now, dude. It is wild, <laughs> wild that you brought that up. I literally deleted it from my phone two days ago. <laughs> okay. I also am and completely I'm not alone over it. I still have it on my computer so I can check things and I can post things occasionally. Like if it's content that we're involved in, I'm going to give it a little push. Uh, yeah. I'll check in on, you know, what the folks up at Nintendo Watcher are doing and and a couple other buddies. But that's about it, man. Yeah, I'm here to promote some stuff and engage with a few people that I like. But like every time I go on there now, I'm just either annoyed or, yeah, mostly just annoyed. Um, Same. Like here, here are the things. So... Two like main things took over Twitter this week. It was the Ding Dong who like reviewed or like had a pretty weak take or like silly take on the um, Starfield main menu. He like had this tweet that was like, ah, the physiognomy of oops, sorry, the physiognomy of like you know main screens. It really it really tells you if they like rushed it or not. Blah blah blah. And like everyone just like blew up and they just felt like they had to pile on. And like give their own hot take on this guy's bad take. And like Twitter is just such a place of that. It is literally just throw out any bad take you want now and get engagement or throw out any good take. It, but it has to be a reactionary or an inflammatory statement for it to get any engagement like any social media platform now. And the worst part is, is that because now you can monetize your account based on engagement people are more and more incentivized to do this. So like literally people that have like Twitter blue, if they get a ton of engagement or like reactions or comments or tweets or whatever, um, they get paid for that. And so I'm just like, this is the worst. This is the worst 
this is the worst kind of social media that I could ever want because like all I'm seeing is just garbage takes or the same freaking posts every single day from like retro games Twitter where that's like name a better game than these three games check out (laughs) that's literally all it is and like I love retro gaming Twitter it was so great for like five years and that's all that will show up in my timeline now is which of three these three games is best or Sonic or Mario that kind of stuff and it's like I'm sorry to your podcast episode like two weeks ago which is a great a great uh conversation and debate but if that's all that type of content is all that you're seeing constantly it just becomes boring and honestly like just like it's not thought provoking in the way that i want things to be thought provoking like i don't care Mm -hmm. which one's better i prefer to look at video games as like um almost like a text that you can deep dive into and analyze and um I, i prefer like more interesting takes than that and, um, you know, I'm not like on a high horse or anything. We're doing a top five, top, top six list uh, later on in, in today's <laughs> episode. And that's fine. But it's the way that people are talking about games or engaging about them. It's so base level. And like everybody. Yeah. The, yeah the, it's the, like going to uh, a shady bar that, you know, like you're, you're probably going to see a bar fight at the end of the night. Like, I feel like everybody who hops on Twitter is like engaging in that space where they're looking for a fight uh or you know they're just ready to go hard into somebody uh it's just Mm -hmm. not it's not not my style it's not i'm like never one to say something negative to somebody like that um yeah so just yeah like and the difference i think between doing a a thought like a a podcast or uh, any kind of like just written content like you're at least putting a little bit more behind it more than just trying to get somebody to respond with no this is my favorite game you're wrong or oh this is this is what i think of like it it just there needs to be more conversation than just that there needs to be more because like it's already been done a million times like we just we just need to have con- like more thought-provoking conversations than just this or that yep like it just it just needs to be more than that and that's the beauty of podcasts is you yeah. can put out the discussion and then you have a back and forth that is a lot more productive and I would say civil where you could just have a, com- a fun conversation about something like that, as opposed to just throwing out your take and then being done with it. Yeah. I also know. like want a Twitter where, I mean, maybe if like 5% of my feed is things they, they think I'd like. Um, but I'm tired of getting just like, I've gotten rid of all the accounts that do like the, choose one of these three games and they still show up on my feed all the they're time everywhere it's like dude, dude you go can't away stop it. i don't want to like block people because they're not doing anything malicious but at the same time you're just it trying gets engagement to, that's the problem is like that yeah. that continues to get engagement i have seen the same post of like what what's the first game that comes to mind if you when you see this logo and it's like a playstation logo and you're like bro I have seen this so many times. I was like, I have yeah. seen this exact same post like at least four or five times. Like, why do we keep on doing this? Who, yeah. who is out there that keeps on reposting or regurgitating this same exact content? Not that you can't do that, but in terms of just somebody who's in it all the time, I guess it's just so annoying. It's just like, ooh, yeah. It's like I gotta uh, leave this. It's just like hanging out in the baby pool for you know for four hours. Like, get get in the deep end, man. Like. <laughs> That is, a, there. that is a very, very good metaphor. It's like hanging out in the baby pool. Get in the deep end. Have a better conversation than, oh, 
PlayStation. Speaking of PlayStation, that's our topic of the show today. PlayStation 3 games. But before yes. we do that, uh, like I mentioned, we're talking about Baldur's Gate 3. Quick little news article about that and how it's uh, got really great Metacritic scores. And then breaking today, Charles Martinet is uh, officially retiring as the voice of Mario. The mm. end of an era. So we'll just A read off. Era. We'll read off that quick news excerpt that came straight from Nintendo. And then, uh, yeah, we'll jump into our topic of the show. But a bit of housekeeping for you guys. If you are a fan, please review right into us. We appreciate that. And you can write in just like Steven did. And he asked, are you guys excited about Mario Wonder? I'm not a huge 2D Mario person, but it looks like it's going to be a lot different than the new Super Mario Bros. entries. Landry, have you? we didn't get a chance to talk too much about Super Mario Bros. Wonder. What are your yeah, thoughts on that? Um, well, I wonder if Steven is one of those players who's just kind of maybe come up on the new Super Mario Brothers series or maybe isn't super familiar with mm-hmm. uh, some of the old 2D games. Those games were brilliant and they were innovative and, um, you know, some of the best looking games of the era. So, I mean, if you grew up in the 90s or the 80s, I feel like Super Mario was a much more, the 2D games were much more, um, you know, just well thought of and, yeah. and awesome. But the the new Super Mario Brothers series was, it grew stale a little bit, I think, for a lot of people. There were four of them, I think. Um, and the art style never really changed. And, you know, yeah. it, the gameplay was pretty solid, but it was nothing that, you know, blew your mind and there was nothing really that came out of left field. Like everything that you played, you expected to see in a Mario game, except for there is that one level that everybody ever ta- talks about in Super Mario Brothers, new Super Mario Brothers Wii U. That was like a Van Gogh painting. And it was like, wow, they did something different finally. And it was so memorable. Yeah. Um, and that may be the only thing you remember about that game because everything else just kind of bleeds into the background of all four of those games. Yeah. Um, so, yes, the new Super Mario Brothers series was a little droll, uh, dull and a little uh, bland, but new Super Mario Brothers Wonder, like already with the one preview we've seen, I am completely sold. It looks like, it looks just, I don't know, like su- new Super Mario Brothers on crack or on like, in like a Gen Z washing machine don't say that don't say that a gen z washing machine yeah it's just like i mean it's like oh so much is going on uh there's so much eye candy on the screen at once and Mm -hmm. it just was like rapid fire um i'm excited too like i I think like same to you like i think we had so much time where we had the new super mario bros and like just like Mario Kart 8 has kind of gotten stale. We've just had that for too long. It's like, we need something different. I never loved that art style in the first place, uh, but this is bringing me back. Um, I think when you see that, like, there is a pretty s- strong difference between what 3D Mario was doing. You know, Odyssey, he's throwing caps and transforming into things and going to all different kinds of cool, unique locations. And then New Super Mario Bros, you're just like, yep. Still just running and jumping on things, and it all <laughs> looks kind of the same. Um, yeah, that is so exactly right. I think Mario Bros. Wonder is going to be a good jumping off point for a lot of folks who have never played a 2D game, and hopefully it does a lot for those who are a little tired like we are maybe to uh, get us back in and excited about it. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and it comes out, is it October? Uh, yeah, it's, it's really close. Gosh, it's about a month so, and a half away. That's so they're gonna, soon. They're going to have to 
give us some more information on it soon, you would think so. And then we have Super Mario Bros. RP, Super Mario RPG is coming out soon too, right? Yeah, and uh, right in between those, or maybe like right after both of those, I have a birthday, which is nice. So I will definitely have those games by then. I think I think it's like 10 days within each other. November 17th is when the RPG is coming out. Wow, really? That was October. I thought so too. Cool. But this is, that, this is great. This is fabulous. Yeah, October, yeah, November are going to be great months. I'm excited about both those. Heck yeah, dude. In the September, or uh, no, this this month, August, we have Sea of Stars. I don't know if you're picking that up, but I'm also uh, very excited about that. It looks super cool. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, anyways, thanks for writing in, Steve. Hopefully you pick it up. Let us know if you play it and uh, comment back on the show. We'll be happy to talk about it some more. All right, well, let's jump into the news, Landry. So let's talk about some uh, Baldur's Gate 3, man. Yeah, man, it's taken over the internet by Indeed. storm. By storm. Thought you're right in the middle of a, a swig of water. Sorry oh, about that. Good. No. So it has a 96 on Metacritic right now. Um, crazy, man. And I, I tweeted this. I tweeted this, uh, I don't know how many days ago. I don't know if this inspired this question or not, or this, this topic, but I said, the high praise of Baldur's Gate 3 really has me intrigued, but I still don't think it's a game that I'll enjoy. Games that are super open-ended open, super open ended, Am I saying that correctly? Yes, super open-ended. Tend to overwhelm me. Am I making the wrong assumption? Uh, Well, I mean, if that's not your type of game, I don't think you are. And and honestly, like, just knowing kind of the kind of gamer you are, I think this game might not be for you. I, you're not really into open-world stuff either, are you? Not unless it's like super compelling. Um, Yeah, like a Breath of the Wild or maybe. I mean, yeah, Tears of the Kingdom, good. even. We talked about this. I yeah. kind of sped through a lot of it because I was just like, ah, there's not enough out there right now to I intrigue mean, me. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing about some open world games is you can choose a linear path and mm-hmm. and carve your way straight through it. And, and that's OK. And it sounds like I don't know anything about Boulder's Gate and whether it's open world or not. Um, but I will oh, say that. Open. OK, I will say that what I've read about the choices that you can make does scare me a little bit even i mean i prefer a linear experience to an open world experience and an open choice experience mm-hmm. um but i think even more than that like just watching some of these video reviews it seems like there's a lot of like dra- dungeons and dragons mechanics like dice rolls and stuff and i'm not familiar with that stuff um and it is a little scary to me but i will be i i can't not pick up a game or try a game that has so much buzz and a 96 mm. on Metacritic if it's coming to PS5. If it was, it was going to live on PC for the rest of its life. Listen, dude, I'm, you 35, just let it die there. I'm 35 years old. I've already chosen my hobbies. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be a PC gamer, okay? I've already started a family. That's too much money to invest. I just uh, can't do it. I just can't. Even with a Steam Deck being a relatively cheap option. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm out on that, man. So, you know, unless it's like you know, something I could emulate, uh, like a really old PC thing. Like, I'm fine picking it up 30 years later if it's going to be a PC title. Um, so, I mean, this is why I asked this. So, you're the kind of person, and, I, and this is the kind of the thing I'm struggling with, because if a game is this good, if a game is getting this much high praise across the board, and people are like, holy smokes, like, this is really impressive. This is the new benchmark for a game like this. 
it always isn't going to intrigue me. And as a person who's like a little bit more invested in like just games in general, I, I try to push myself outside of my, my traditional preferences, you know? Right. So it's like, I might not like this game normally, but because everyone loves it and say it's like really, really, really good, I should probably check it out. And, you know, I've done that for a few games and it's been successful and I've really enjoyed that, like roguelikes and that kind of brought me back into like Hades and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, these are These are really cool. I had the same experience with those. I was Um, not a fan. But like. And, you know, Deathloop was a bad scenario where everyone loved Deathloop, gave that game a 10 out of 10. And I jumped in there and I was like. This is not what I want. Um, That was weird. That was weird. I think that uh, I think that game was at the dawn of the PS5. It was one of those new PS5 exclusives. So, Mm -hmm. you know, very stylistic, very like a clockwork orange kind of vibe to it, you know, whatever. But it's just not my not my cup of tea. So, yeah, you are going to try and pick it up. So PS5, it comes out. Is it next week? Uh, I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen the release date. I knew when it when Baldur's Gate came out. I knew it was like coming a month later. But yeah, I I will pick it up. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be an immediate thing or like by the end of the year thing. But I will pick it up. I will give it a shot. Dude, I love high fantasy. It's something that I've always enjoyed, and I love RPGs. So you know, the CRPG is a genre I just have never really mm-hmm. played. So. I am excited to I'm excited to get into something like this. I Diablo didn't do it for me. So maybe this will be the thing that uh gets me. Maybe this is it. Yeah, it comes out September 6th. So a little bit more time. Um but then you have again Sea of Stars coming out this week. I tell you, I'm more interested in Sea of Stars to me be too. honest. I'm like how much time is that going to take me to finish that game up? I got Final Fantasy 16 I'm still working through. Like, this is gracious. We're in a bad situation. Yeah. I'm stoked that you're in Final Fantasy 16 because I am way more the Final Fantasy guy between the two of us. Oh, I'm loving it. I wish uh, I bought it digital so I could, or uh, physical so I could share it with you. But oh, uh, I bought it digital. I couldn't. I, That's, right. That's a game s- that I'm going to I'm gonna add to the collection. I've got I've got a large investment in Final Fantasy already. So yeah, 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 yeah. I played it. I played the demo and I was like, this is good. And I was like kind of lazy and I was like, I'll just buy it. I'll just buy it on the PS5. Dude, I played the demo also and it was really good. And it was one of those things. Can you uh, hear the text noise going off in my headphones? No. Okay, cool. So it's just driving me crazy. Perfect. (laughs) Just driving Um, me crazy. (laughs) Man, I like it. That text noise derails like all my thoughts. So let's let's just move on. The demo. The demo was good. All right. Today, breaking news, Charles Martinet is no longer going to be the voice of Mario for games going forward. So Nintendo put out a tweet and it said, we have a message for fans of the Mushroom Kingdom. Please take a look. And so it's like just red background, Nintendo logo, two paragraphs. Charles Martinet has been the original voice of Mario in Nintendo games for a long time, as far back as Super Mario 64. Charles is now moving into the brand new role of Mario Ambassador. With this transition, he will be stepping back from recording character voices for our games, but he'll continue to travel the world sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. It has been an honor working with Charles to help bring Mario to life for so many years, and we want to thank and celebrate him. Please keep an eye out for a special video message from Shigeru Miyamoto and Charles himself, which we will post at a future date. Stay tuned. Interesting. 
end of an era is what I've seen a lot of people saying on the X, the hell platform we were just complaining about. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, this is really cool, but also kind yeah. of crazy to think about since what? When did Mario 64 come out? 96, 98? 96. I yeah. I mean, almost 30 years. He has been the voice of Mario. And yeah. he freaking crushed it. Like, we, we only really know him, know Mario as Charles Martinet. True. And I mean, has he ever actually had a line of dialogue or is it just like one word at a time? Uh, but, but, and I say that to say that there is so much characterization in those, you know, sound effects. It's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I have an attachment to that voice. It's silly and goofy. Um, but dude, I listened to the Super Mario Brothers Wonder trailer mm -hmm. and it sounds just like him. So it's not him for that one. It's not him. I think there was a, when that trailer came out, I think there were a few people who were like, I think. I think the voices for Mario is different. You know, like people are starting to like hear a little bit and like then some crazy audio files. Like how do you even I, like, honestly to the layman, it's not going to sound any different at all yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. But they, 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 they found it. So all I'm going to say is congrats, Charles. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a cool role. I'm excited to see what comes next. And, um, he's just going to go around and just, you know, everyone's going to want his autograph still, and he's going to be Mario, pretty much. He's just going to be the voice of Mario. I feel bad for the new person who's voicing him. It's like, yeah, I'm just the, I'm the, I'm just the new Mario, I guess. Mario. Not, it's not cool that, like, Nintendo really stumbled on something when they chose him as the voice actor for Mario, because there, there aren't really many voice actors that have become, like, uh, you know, a separate entity or, you know almost he's not the face of the character that's too strong but yeah. a lot of people have a correlation to him um he is the personality of mario for sure yeah yeah for sure so that's cool it's kind of like what's his name that voices uh joel um troy baker but troy baker yeah. troy baker's got so much he's got a lot going in the on. industry so I, it's hard for me to associate with him with just that but yeah yes I, I, yeah you're right you're right he is joel for a lot of people yeah so. yeah now, I guess now it's Pedro Pascal for a lot of people, but, you know, yeah, I digress. All right. Well, uh, speaking of Joel, uh, Landry, let's jump into the topic of the show, shall we? Dude, let's do it. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, um, so, so bring us, bring us up to speed on what, what, uh, what inspired this? What, what, what? Well, what I am, uh, I'm a sucker for top 10 list, uh, Top 25 list, top five list. I look them up on YouTube all the time. I have a lot of opinions on what makes a game great and what would be included on my list as well. And as I was making the show notes, um, I was just texting you like, dude, there's not a lot of interesting news that I want to cover. Like, I'm sure we could drum up something interesting. Um, and the really the only thing I could think of was Starfields coming out soon and we could talk about that. But like, that just didn't really interest me that much. So I was like, why don't we just do like an old retro console uh, kind of top 10 list? And I talked about PlayStation 3 or Wii or GameCube, and you didn't give me a response. So I was like, you know what? We're going to do PlayStation 3 because that is <laughs> my favorite of those consoles. I love and it. I love it. Honestly, man, as I was making this list and, and thinking about the console, I landed in a place that I didn't even expect to land. And I, I think PlayStation 3 is my second favorite video game console of all time behind the Super Nintendo. 
Mm. Just as far as innovative titles go, titles that are just like, they spawn like whole franchises, incredible replayable titles that I want to go back to over and over again. And if I had to have like the top 25 games in a library, I think about the Super Nintendo and the PlayStation 3. There's just so much there to play, so much variety and um, really mm. fantastic stuff. And I, I think that PlayStation 3 is where 3D gaming hit its real stride, where, uh, whereas Super Nintendo was where 2D gaming hit its like peak. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about the lists and at the end, I think we're going to do our top six and then let's do the, let's do a top five. Let's do our top five. Top five. Keep okay, it nice cool. and even because you have okay. a yeah you have a little rundown list afterwards. And then afterwards, I'm going to just like speed blitz through my top twenty five just so we can like reflect on how many incredible titles this console has that are still you know talked about today in the industry and um, if not talked about. In the industry directly, they have sequels or uh, reiterations um, in the industry kicking around right now. Let's freaking do it, brother. I messed up Let's my list. It. I messed it up. I uh, was trying to move some things around. There we go. Okay. That works. Cool. Okay. The only reason I want to do top six is because the sixth game on your list earlier was one that I really, we had to talk about. And if not, I was going to have to I shake it. some things up. Okay, I, bumped cool. it into, I bumped it into five. Don't worry. Cool. Because that game rips. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to start us off with the, uh, your yeah. top, your number five? Yeah. And really like a lot of these, it's hard to even put them in no numerical order, but Red Dead Redemption is what I have for number five. It is a game that sparked a love of Westerns in me um, that had been kind of buried. Like my dad I always grew up uh, I, I when I was growing up, I, I hold up, dude. I gotta change the text on my phone. It's literally like wrecking my head. <laughs> I have a work conversation going on, and they're just like going <laughs> ham, <laughs> and I can't put, think. Put on that. Uh, do not disturb. Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Sorry about that. Let's just take it from the top. No, you're good. I like it. Westerns. Your dad. Talk. Number five. Red Dead yeah. Redemption. Um. So yeah. Growing up, my dad would always have on like Gunsmoke or Bonanza. And, and to be 100% honest, I hated those shows. Um, however, in college, I took a survey of American literature course. And like my first day was at a community college. The teacher or instructor came in. He was not a professor, not at that level. And he was like, um, I know it says American literature on it, but we're in night school and no one's ever going to look at this course rubric. So... This is not American literature too. You are taking, uh, it was Western expansion in the American dream is basically what he titled the course. And we watched a ton of Westerns and compared them to a lot of American literature. And interesting. <laughs> it was actually a really awesome class. But during that course, Red Dead Redemption came out. So I was like steeped in great classic Western cinema uh, and, and video games playing Red Dead Redemption and there's so many scenes that uh, Red Dead Redemption just rips right out of like John Ford's uh, classic westerns and you know just the scenery is absolutely gorgeous the soundtrack's amazing and the idea that you can just like you have this open world and you're a cowboy and you can you can kind of play uh, black hat or white hat and you know 
be a bad guy or a mostly good guy who just has to color outside the lines a little bit is just so so much fun man and the story was pretty good um there it was a little long in the tooth i think there's there's a moment in the game where everybody kind of drops off because things just get way too open uh where there's just not a lot going on in the right the kind of landscape but man if you see the game through the story hits really hard and uh it's just a, an experience i'll never forget and Honestly, I like Red Dead Redemption 1 a lot better than Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. Well, hey, you have a chance to replay it again with the remaster that just came out. Yes, I, I fully intend to do that. I haven't played it since 2010, so I can't wait to go back to it. You can play it on Switch, play it on PS5. You can play it wherever you want to, man. I know. Yeah, it's going to be great. Play it in all the places. Well, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. So r- quick bit of context. I have not played the original rdr um but i know it's a lot of people's favorite and the undead nightmare uh that was a dlc pack that came with it yeah people freaking love that i remember that yeah i played that and to be honest it did not hit for me the same way it did for everybody else but it was it was really cool and it was a really cool dlc at the time that i think showed people that dlc could be more than what it had been in the past. And um, not for just that, cosmetics. It was more of like, hey, here's a whole story thing that comes with it. And it's a whole sort of different slice of this game you could play. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't like a new horse in Skyrim. It was a, it felt like a, a full new game. So mm. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I never had a PS3. Uh, my brothers both had PS3s. It was kind of this weird period of time where I had the Xbox 360. And I think I had a Nintendo console and I had to make the choice if I wanted to stay with 360 or stay with Nintendo. And I'm pretty sure I just stayed with 360 all the way through that generation. Um, I didn't have any interest to get a PS3 at the time. And uh, so I didn't really play a lot of these games until I got a PS4. So thankfully, a lot of the games that were on PS3 that maybe some people missed were brought over in like remastered versions or whatever else or collections. And so I got a chance to play a lot of stuff. And so on my list for number five, I have Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. And uh, I freaking love this game. I remember, remember when it came out, I texted a good friend of the show, Stephen Palmer. Um, he and I were both Miyazaki nerds. And I was like, bro, they got freaking Joe Hisashi uh, composing music for this game. And it looks like it's like some of the ha- half of the mm-hmm. animation team from Studio Ghibli is, is designing the characters in this. And it's yeah. like, was it level five? Is yeah. that who did it? And I'm just like, I was like this, this is the dream game for me. Like, this is exactly what I want uh, in an RPG. And I was like, you need to buy this game. And I basically like, you know, he, he'd already known about it, but he and I just nerded out and I got to sort of experience the game through him via osmosis. But then it came out, you know, I got a PS4 and I actually ended up picking it up, I think for real cheap and played yeah, the whole game. Remastered version fell in price real fast. And it's just lovely. It's just a lovely game, like a pretty good heartfelt story. Um, You know, combat wasn't anything to write home about, but what it did accomplish, I think, was just, again, bringing some of that Ghibli design and uh, orchestration to a video game. And that's like all I could ever want. I'm like, yeah, I want more of this. If if Studio Ghibli ever does this again, like I'm, I'm there, you know, so I loved it. Didn't really see a lot of good reviews about the second one people were kind of like yeah it's fine like it was uh, it was not like terrible reviews i think it was like middling around this high 70s low 80s yeah but 
the, the biggest complaint there was the different um, gameplay mis- like mechanics. Like it wasn't yeah. as much of a turn-based RPG anymore. It was more of like a um, Pikmin sort of like you're managing oh, your little monsters and like having them attack and it's kind of a weird... Well, I mean, the first game is really like... Um, it's got like a Pokemon-esque type gameplay. Like you're catching monsters and using them. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought the story was really good, especially like the first two or three hours of the game where you're just before you kind of go into the fantasy world. Like, I don't know why it just hit, it hit really hard. Um, it came out right around the time of the last of us. And I remember thinking at the time, like this is one of my favorite RPG experiences. And you know, the last of us is just this incredible game, but any other year, this would be like a game of the year for mm-hmm. me. It was so, uh, good and the animation was incredible i also a big studio ghibli fan and um the fact that they had their animation team on it and then the level five team that was developing it was responsible for dragon quest eight and that is just a, a huge game for doing. me they yeah, know a huge doing. game for me and uh the ps2 era for as far as like getting into rpgs in the first place back then so yeah, yeah really dude. really good stuff so freaking good all right man number four what you got Number four. Number four. Yeah, I'll never be able to do that like you. It's uh, that's sad. Got a uh, <laughs> number four for me is Skyrim. Uh, oh. Probably one of the most played games for me in my past. I played I the crap out of it on PS3. I still haven't played it. Oh, I've man. It. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it's, it's such a good video game. And I uh, played, played it on Switch twice. Skyrim will just always be that first open world RPG where everything clicked for me. And I was like, wow, this is what the future of open world video games can be. Where not only it's not about like the choice for me, it's about walking up to any character in a village and never knowing which one's going to launch you into a 45 minute story about their life or about what's going on with them or take you, you know, their story is going to take you into a crypt and you're going to find like some incredible armor that looks awesome and then also has really cool lore and is attached to another side quest on the other end of the map. And it's like, dude, everything... I remember an X-Play review at the time where the narrator for the... It might have been Adam Sessler or Morgan Webb or whatever. And they basically were like, we do not understand how Bethesda had the time or energy to make this game at all. Like it doesn't make sense to us because every cave has something unique inside of it. Like there's so much, like you could spend hundreds of hours and not see everything in the game. And with the expansion packs, you know, it's, it's even more now. And Mm -hmm. it's just having played the game so much and knowing that there's still stuff I haven't seen doesn't bother me. Uh, even though I'm like a completionist, it's just, I always know that I'll have that world to go back to and, you know, I can go chill and white run and have, you know, join a guild and, and see like a different side of the game I never saw because I wasn't in that guild before. Listen to and some I think tunes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The soundtrack rips. Freaking good music, dude. Yeah. And then, you know, if you want to like get weird with it, you can just go and like look up fun Skyrim glitches to pull off and have another, you know, few hours that way. Cause those games are so janky and the glitch, the glitches you can find are hilarious and kind of fun to pull off as well. So 
there's just a lot of uh that game will give you a lot of stuff for you can pick it up i got it for 45 cents in the ps3 the other day but i recommend <laughs> i recommend the i don't remember the ps3 version i recommend oh, the switch my. version or the ps5 version. 45 cents on the ps3 why did you even why did you even buy that landry ps3 games are so cheap right now and uh some of them are really great and a lot of them are locked to the ps3 skyrim is not but uh why did I buy a 45 cent video game? I don't know, Jake. Why not? <laughs> You're Why right. Not? You're right. I've spent 45 cents on way dumber things. Yeah. Uh, follow-up question for you, though. The the Skyrim did not come out on PS3 initially. It was on Xbox first, right? Pretty sure and, it was like a week difference. But the, oh, okay. the thing mind. was that I thought the it was PS3 version that. was... Uh, broken right yeah it was broken at first they fixed it they patched it out like that's where i played it initially and i never mm-hmm. had any problems um you know besides your normal bethesda problems like if you play a bethesda game i feel like after playing you know what was it morrowind and then oblivion and then skyrim you're you just kind of expect that the game's going to crash on you every once in a while and like things are going to be janky and buggy yeah, uh, to an extent, but it, when the PS3 version launched, it was it was beyond that. It was uh, it was a mess. It was like similar to how Cyberpunk launched on the PS4. Yeah. Uh, what was that a year ago or so? Yeah, they fixed it up pretty quick though. Yeah, I don't remember being that long. I remember, I remember just I know that there was like some exclusivi- exclusivity, and then like the the backlash of Skyrim not working as well on PS PS3. I remember that. Yeah, dude, Xbox 360 had a lot of the edge on a lot of the third-party titles back then. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the thing about Xbox 360 that sucked was the consoles were terrible and they would break. So, like, that's what happened to mine. So, yeah, Oof. sad times, sad times. Yeah. All right, my number four is another one that I played on PS4. In fact, I think almost all of these I played on PS4. Uh, but Flower. Um, this is a uh, I think the second game from that game company, uh, the first one I'm Flo. blanking on was Flow. Thank you. Um, and yeah, the, I had never even played a game like this. The Flower was the first game that I played by that game company. And it basically, you're playing as a pedal that is just flying through the wind and you use the dual or the six axis in the controller to control the direction of, you know, your pedal as it flies through these open areas. And it all goes to like the beat of, or the, the orchestration of, of a theme behind it. So as you collect more pedals, it'll like play a tune behind it and it'll speed up as you speed up. And it tells a story about, you know, environmental pollution. And you like, it kind of does this little like arc where you start in a beautiful field and it's kind of peaceful and then it kind of goes through some pretty unique areas. And then you get into like cities where there's like a ton of pollution and oil and all kinds of stuff. And the music changes and it kind of gets more gets like intense, man. ominous or scary almost. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't like being here. This is sad. And there's like very few pedals that you can like reach to like to make music with. And it's kind of depressing. Uh, but then it ends on like a happier note and you get back into the city and everything's fine. But I remember just being blown away because like, again, I just got my PS4. I'm pretty sure this game was like almost available like right at the start. I had the uh, headphones on. So I had like full immersive like surround and I was like using the control and it was like changing colors like on the light bar on the front. And I was <laughs> like, 
this is amazing. And it was just such a cool experience. Well, that's exactly the experience that I had with the PS3 version, because that was the, if not the first game that I got, it was on like the first downloadable game that I got. Um, I think it was like, I had Ratchet and Clank, Uncharted 2 and Flower. And yeah, it was just like a new artistic achievement in video games I had never seen before. Like, you know, being moved emotionally without any, um, you know, dialogue whatsoever. And you're just, you're just playing as the wind, but the places that game, the the places that game takes you visually and then musically, um, it's not, uh, like dissimilar to like listening to an orchestra live or something, you know, like you can be moved emotionally through that. And, and that's the same way that flower did. And, and the game development, side of that game is interesting too i've read like some game vlog uh or seen some game vlogs about how the designers initially wanted to like have all of these extrinsic motivators in the game and you had to collect things and there were time limits and and you know they they stripped all that out because they realized that it was like more of this zen type of experience and Mm -hmm. you know that's what they became known for and i think you know capitalized on a later game that we're going to talk about in a minute but uh flower for me for me hits the hardest of what they've done because it was the first time that i saw it on playstation 3 and it just uh man it was just so cool so impressive yeah yeah and, and it's just you know there are certain games every console generation that show off the hardware and the accessories like the six axis controller movement like that like I don't know if it's gyro or whatever they they do in the six axis controller, but like using the controller to move was an interesting and cool um, thing to do when motion motion control back then was like all the rage. And that was pretty neat. So it it, but it only worked in this instance because it didn't have to be precise. Like when you have to use motion controls and you need precision, also, it sucks. You're like, this is a bad design choice. Why did you see layer layer the dragon game? Uh, for PS3, that 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 game was uh, not a good example of that. You do not want to have to use precision control uh, motion controls. That's a bad time. Yeah. Yes. All right, man. What's your uh, number three? Number three. Uh, oh man, gosh, this, this console oh, is so good. Bioshock. What? Uh, uh, I mean, this these top three game, really the top five games. They're just like all timers for me. I mean, but Bioshock is just one of those games that in the PS3 generation, I think had this, did this to me so many times where I was like, wow, video games are getting to a level where they actually require like critical thought and deep analysis. And, you know, I'm not going to feel like a complete fool or child for playing them well into my thirties or forties or Mm fifties because they're offering up experiences that, um, you know, can provide you know deep and meaningful analysis and maybe even academic scholarly you know pieces on and yeah. uh this is also a game that you know introduced me to new concepts like objectivism and uh collectivism and, and different philosophies and Ayn Rand and um you know being able to compare Bioshock to other uh writers thoughts and political ideologies and um there's all that is kind of extracurricular 
but the actual game is just this terrifying and visually breathtaking kind of a metroidvania uh and you know maybe the best game 3d game uh metroidvania i've ever played i would say it's even better than metroid prime um so whoa, it's just whoa, 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 whoa. okay it's just so fun and so interesting and the the big daddies and the little <sighs> sisters and they've just spooky ken levine created this world um that is captivating terrifying and you know uh, even if i've replayed it multiple times and every time i just like i don't remember certain things about it that blow my mind all over again oh it's been a long time since i've played this game i think the last time i played it honestly was on the 360 and oh yeah i remember having to play that intro like at least three times because i got too scared and turned the game off i remember i remember you go into that elevator and (laughs) you like suddenly get like yeah like the exactly the splicers well, or what, what are they called what are the people that splicers yeah do they like inject um, themselves so i actually this was the game that made me buy a ps3 because i had bioshock on the 360 360 was the first console of the generation that i bought i didn't oh, like you know 2007 ish and I, I think i had fable 2 like oh. madden 2k and then some uh, good stuff bioshock yeah some and then, good uh, stuff yeah, red ringed on me. I sent it back six months later. It comes back to me. It's working for literally two days. Red ringed on me again. And I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but the second time they wouldn't fix it for free. Dude. They wanted to charge me like $125. So uh, that's brutal. Sent it back to me. I stuffed it in a closet. And every time I looked at it from then on, I just got mad. And then eventually I bought a PS3 and uh, played through the rest of Bioshock on that. So. Wow, what a redemption story for Bioshock! Finally making it over to PS3 and being able to play it there instead, with no red yes. rings of death. Dude, I actually like. I was so desperate to fix my 360. I remember reading on the internet that if you baked it in the oven at 250 degrees, I remember that this. It would like overheat something just the right amount that it would work. And I melted the whole hard drive in the. <laughs> you <laughs> ding like, dong. <laughs> I don't know. I think I read 350 instead of 250 or something, but like oh, everything. You everything messed up (laughs) i would never be that brave i would never be that brave but i do remember that story about like reheating the element to like re-solder or like reattach whatever was going wrong on the inside of the chip it would like it would kind of remelt it to it oh you're crazy you're crazy you're putting that in the freaking but it was the last it was the last uh the last hurrah i was like i'm not paying 125 dollars. i already paid them however much it was was this thing's already principal already useless i'm just gonna go ahead and try it anyways yeah exactly oh man I respect that. But yeah, Bioshock is fabulous and I would like to play through it again. I know that I I think I own it. I think I have it on a collection that came out on PS Plus or somewhere somehow. I I might even have it on Switch. I don't even know. I don't even know. All all I know is that I have it somewhere and I would like to go back to it. But I almost think, has that game been remastered? Yeah. Yeah, it has. The remaster's great. I played the remaster on Switch. No, I played it on PS4. And it was awesome. Okay. That would be my preferred way to play it, at least just remastered. Um, but a remake would be sick too. But I guess it hasn't been uh, long enough. They don't enough. need to remake it. Hasn't it's, been long enough yet. Yeah. It's fine. It's perfect. All right. Um, my third game, I swapped this one out because I felt more strongly about this than the one I had previously. So we'll mention that one later for honorable mention. But PlayStation All Star Battle Royale, Battle Royale. 
and not the battle royale you're thinking of. This is not a Fortnite, all right, guys? This is the Smash Bros. clone that PlayStation was trying to capitalize on. They wanted to see if they could recreate something akin to Super Smash Bros., and uh, it didn't quite land. Yeah, I'm surprised to see this on your list. I've never heard people say good things about it. I never played it. But gosh dang it. If they had just stuck with it, fine-tuned some of the elements of like what made it a little bit less engaging and then just made a sequel or something a little bit better, like they have they had it all right there. They have PlayStation used to own, they don't own it as much anymore, but they have so many mascots. Like they they you could play as Crash, you could play as Parappa the Rapper, you could play as the girl from Heavenly Sword, Heavenly Sword. Um like <laughs> the guy from Infamous I'm pretty sure is in there like you you could play as so many people, and I'm like, this is so cool! Like to see these other fringe characters that maybe wouldn't get the spotlight now showing up in a game just like Smash Bros. And I love Smash Bros. This is why it's on my list. I'm a huge Smash yeah. Bros. person, so for me, I'm like, yeah, this game rips. I love anything like this, and I want more of it. So for me, when this game came out, I remember we spent so many hours playing this because we were a Smash Bros. family. So my brothers had it on their PS3, and we would just play this all night. And again, it wasn't as good as Smash Bros, but something about just that formula of just beating the crap out of somebody else or four other people in the same in the same arena as, you know, Parappa the Rapper is just something else you can't really compete with. Yeah, man. Uh, it's such a cool concept. Um, and it, PlayStation has the IP power to float a game like this. Like it's it'd be cool to play as Nathan Drake or Joel or Ellie, mm-hmm. you know, Um but my question to you is like, what about the game wasn't, why do you think it didn't hit with everybody else? What, what held it back? I, I feel, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact mechanic, but it was the, it was the knockout mechanic that didn't really connect with me. Um, you know, in Smash Bros, the idea is as you get more percentage, you get sent further. And then at a certain point you get knocked off the map, can't make it back, or you get completely obliterated and get shot into like the blast zone whereas playstation all-stars i think it was like i'm trying to remember the the exact like uh damage mechanic but it just didn't it wasn't as satisfying i'm trying to pull up a uh a a gameplay video really quickly so like you had like a a gauge that you could like charge up or like let down and then yeah you just got you could still get sent off the map but it just never felt as satisfying so i think if they fix that they right. just fix that. It'd be great. Cool. Well, maybe they'll make a sequel sometime because, One you day. know, I love PlayStation's history. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at this gameplay footage right now. It's freaking great. They got like Sweet Tooth on here. They got Fat Princess. Dude, Fat Pr- Princess. That's Kratos, hilarious. Sly Cooper. I mean, this is this is great. This is what this is what you want in the game. Just clean it up. And Fat we're, we're Princess back in. was so much fun. Little capture the flag, flag yeah, know, online game. I know, dude. I almost had it. All right. Yours. Okay, so we're number, still in 10 out of 10 territory. Number I, two. Probably the top five. Of, oh, this whole list is 10 out of 10s probably for me. Uncharted 2 mm. uh, was uh, one of those games where like, was jaw-dropping for me. I couldn't believe that a game had like this kind of blockbuster narrative experience. And in no way was this like a thought-provoking game but it was just like a oh my gosh they made a game with like a fun narrative incredible dialogue that like moves the story and pacing and acting is really brilliant Mm -hmm. um they just made like an indiana jones movie and then 
a really cool video game as well. And yeah, I love the characters. I love like the setting of the game, um, the gameplay, the difficulty curves, getting the platinum on Uncharted 2 is a lot of fun. Everything about this game is amazing. And it's what kind of solidified or started to solidify Naughty Dog as one of my favorite game developers because I had already loved Crash Bandicoot. Uh, like for the PlayStation, I had Crash Bandicoot two and three, and absolutely adored those games. And then I had the Jack trilogy on PlayStation two, so I was already familiar with them. But man, Uncharted two just hit this new high, this new peak. And I really think if we were to do like a retrospective on narrative video game design, I think that Uncharted two uh, is one of the most influential in the history of video games, just the fluidity between gameplay and cutscenes, like the way that they started doing transitions mm-hmm. is like ubiquitous now in the industry. It's like a standard, um, the, the walk in where you, you know, you see them come into frame and then it just goes into the gameplay after that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the cinematic camera angles and, um, the quality of voice acting, the expectations that we now have for even games like final fantasy, which, you know, for a long time, JRPGs had this kind of, um, you know, the voice acting wasn't that great. And we just kind of were, we understood that that was going to be a thing. But now mm-hmm. these AAA games have AAA voice acting talent. And um, it's become a huge part of the medium and a huge part of what makes, I think, this hobby so mainstream. And Uncharted 2, just, you know, also the sequencing, the action set pieces, just incredible. Mwah. chef's kiss Mwah. chef's yeah. kiss yeah I remember so I played this on the collection that came out on PS4 another okay. one because again didn't have PS3 didn't play these games but I know yeah. people loved them and I was like I gotta do this because Uncharted 4 I think was about to come out on the PS4 and I was like I should probably catch up on these before I jump in and I love the way that collection was you know brought over to that console Blue uh, Point. that was a Blue Point um, game Great. They, they tuned up the first game uh, just I think Drake's Fortune or whatever the first one is called, um, where oh, you know the aiming I was a, that game. a little shady, like a little shoddy, like gameplay, gunplay was just not great. Uh, but like, sto- story was say that there. people say that, and like I just don't get it. Like I, I, I think the aiming is perfect in the remake of Drake's Fortune, but everybody says that it's like I'll never understand why people don't think that Donkey Kong controls well in Donkey Kong Country, and why people think that. Well, I think, aiming and gun control in Uncharted games is bad. Like I don't understand you, those two things because they both like hit so hard for me. Yeah, they did at the time. At the time, I, th- that's the difference. So you, you, at the time, that game played uh, totally fine, made sense, and it was revolutionary potentially for its time because you're like nothing else has done this before, and it feels better than anything I've played like this. And then you play future games and time and technology improves and they learn how to make games better and they play a lot better. And so then when you go back to those, you're like, Ooh, this is not as easy to play anymore because of like the way my brain is wired now. Uh, I mean like GoldenEye is a great example of this. Like at the time, GoldenEye was incredible. So easy, like to comprehend and moving the reticle around the screen with the C sticks made sense. And you know, you just dealt with it, but like trying to play that now after like having a dual joystick setup, I'm like, this is trash. Like trying to play this is so bad. Like okay, this yes. is the worst. I agree. Not with not Knight. to that degree. Not to that degree with of course. Say, with we're Uncharted. In different ballparks. We're in still different, playable. 
with the old controller scheme, but it still was not like, I think comparatively, like them having brought the controls up to, up to snuff with sort of where we are now, it was helpful for me because I could jump into that. Like, okay, yeah, it still felt a little clunky, like movement wise compared again, compared to like three and two, you're like, wow, they really, there's a big jump between one and two and then two to three, like what they were trying to do with a vehicle exploration and combat and just traversal like there's just so much more they were doing in the later games but that first game set the set the groundwork for it so yeah i loved all those games thought they were good uncharted 2 i think was probably the standout of the first three for me uh, and then uncharted 4 i think was just fabulous so yeah so good uh, i mean i like the whole trilogy but two is the one for me that's the one all that's right man one. hit us with your well we both have the same last game well i have i have my second one i gotta do really quick so Ooh, exciting so Journey, another game from that game company. You've probably heard of it. And I really like it for a lot of the same reasons I liked Flower. Uh, but this one, again, I think I got it. And I, and I know I played it on PS4, but I'm trying to remember when I actually picked it up. Because um, I think it came to PS4 actually a little bit later than Flower did, or maybe not. I don't know. Anyways, I remember people going nuts about this game. And yes. just singing its praises and I was like I will I want to check this out eventually and I finally had the chance to do that and it was everyone's like you got to play this kind of moment and I think the only thing that held this back from being like the most impressive game for me was like what you're saying Landry I'd already played Flower and kind of had that sort of fresh experience with this kind of game a game like this where it's open and beautiful and you're just kind of just supposed to explore and move around and the story kind of tells itself as you move through the environment um but also it's it's a game that's somewhat dependent upon online play that's kind of the fun little behind the scenes thing they don't tell you but if if other people are playing at the same time as you they can actually enter into like the same area as you and you don't really know their name you don't know who, but it's another player actually physically in your space and you can kind of just see them you know, if you see each other, you walk up to each other and you can kind of do little funny dances and, you know, jump around and stuff. And then you can actually progress through this, the whole game you want, if you want to, with that, that same person. It's not a very long game. Um, but the idea is you make it through and then there's this beautiful story of like, you, you finally get to the very top. The, your, your journey is concluding at this very end and you've maybe come along with these two other people and you're all dying together. And it's like really sad and heartfelt. And you're like, oh. Like my friend that I've made this whole journey with is over there and they're about to die. And like, I'm just seeing them like wither away on this mountain. Um, and then of course there's this huge, you know, burst of energy and rebirth and you're flying around and everything's beautiful and gorgeous and happy again. Uh, but, <laughs> but that moment, unfortunately, although it could have been very impactful, was not impactful for me because I didn't have anybody else that was on the mountain with me when I played. Oh man, <laughs> I was just like, I saw like some grave sites, but yeah. like, there wasn't somebody with me like trudging through the mountain snow at the very top. And I'm just like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to die up here, I guess. And then I came back to life. <laughs> Spoilers if you haven't played it. Dude, Sorry, I should have spoken at the front. That game was, I remember the first time I, I fired it up because I was pretty excited about it for Flower. And then like the reviews started hitting and I was like, okay, I didn't expect this to be one of the best reviewed games of all time. Or like at the time it was like, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was the nineties. It was going to be game of the year, almost a shoe in the way that critics were talking about it. And it was, I played it upon release or around that time. So I had a lot of 
online players with me. And I'd never played a game like that before. I don't know if this is pre-Dark Souls or post-Dark Souls. I think it, it was probably post-Demon Souls, pre-Dark Souls. But I hadn't under, I'd never seen the concept of online multiplayer without like logging on with a friend and playing with them, you know, or like un- yeah. knowing that they were there. Somebody so, random has entered your game. Like, yeah, okay. I was meeting these things and I was doing what you were saying, like, you know, interacting with them, but I had no idea they were real people. And that was part of the mystery and mystique of the game back then. And you get to the end and you see all these characters that you've been trudging along the way with. And honestly, I didn't know they were like different people. I was like, well, I just thought this is the same little bozo popping out. Like, honest, I was frustrated the whole first playthrough because I thought it was telling me something. And I was like, the heck are you trying to tell me, dude? Like, I'm following you everywhere and we're going in circles and like, I'm going back to where I want to go. Let's go up here, dude. Like, like, we're wasting time over here. I just could not get it. And um, at the very end, you see the screen names of the people you've been playing with. And it wasn't until my dumb brain saw that on the screen that everything clicked into place and what had been happening. And it was this... uh, Shared journey. Yeah. And it was like, it sounds... That sounds cheesy, uh, but it it wasn't. It was a very cool experience, and it flipped my whole feeling on the game because, honestly, it was a game that I powered through. I was frustrated with it because of the online interaction, and I've never experienced a game like that where I was so frustrated because I didn't understand, and at the very end, it finally clicked, and I understood what had been happening, and I was like, I've got to replay this again because... Now I get I've it. been fighting against every single person that was, you know, with me. Mm. And man, w- what a unique and interesting experience. It did not hit as hard emotionally for me as Flower did. Um, and, and a lot of that maybe because the first opening areas are in a desert and I just hate that color palette. I hate <laughs> the aesthetic. Oranges. Of just oranges and yellows and dusky browns. But. Uh, oh, you're see. in that you're in that area for a long time too. That's what I loved. But I see. I think the, the art second direction. half of the game, the second half of the game, dude, is like it's kind of spooky. On the ascension, you get spooky, but then the part you were talking about, where you're in the sky and everything, it's like not only is the are the visuals incredible, but again, it's the score. The score for that game is uh, really music. really on point, and music. also that game does control better than Flower, like. There are there are some moments where you're just having a blast sliding down a hill. It's like, well, this is like uh, Super Mario 64 slide level fun. You know, yeah. like, I'm just having a blast right now. I'm just sliding with my buddy over here. We're just going down this big old big old sand hill right here. Yeah, yeah. I think the music. It, I'm looking at my list now, and I, we've we've talked about this before. But music is always going to be a huge, huge factor for me. If it's got good music, yeah. I'm 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 already way more invested than I would be otherwise. So like, yeah, I mean, Nino Kuni. Joe Hisashi, come on, dude. Flower, yeah. great music. PlayStation All-Stars, yeah. Uh, Journey, <laughs> great music. And then this last Absolutely. one, you know, we'll, we'll talk about here in a second. So, Red yeah. Dead. Red Dead has an incredible soundtrack. It does too, yeah. So let's talk about our number one, because we have a shared number one for top PS3 games. I'm sure everyone here probably already knows what it is. It's The Last of Us. It's The Last of Us. Wow. Who would have thought? Dude. I'll let you start us off. I don't even know where to start with this game. It's like so <laughs> important to me as uh, you know, someone who's played video games and um, everything that the PS3 
had been kind of teaching me about video games, how they were turning into a more um, mature hobby, less childish, less of something that I had to be ashamed of um, in my 20s that I was still, you know, playing and, you know, kind of a part of that community. Um, the Last of Us just was like, okay, if if you weren't sure, you're going to be sure now because we're taking this to like Cormac McCarthy levels of uh, violence and narrative, um, but also, yeah. you know, dwelling on themes that you're not used to seeing in video games. This isn't the popcorn flick that Uncharted is. We're going to be talking about love and loss and, um, you know, trying to overcome being hardened by the world and uh, just there's so many different things at play. Sadness in this game. and darkness everywhere. Yeah. Sadness, darkness, not, not losing, uh, you know, yourself in, uh, you know, just what nihilism and, you know, thinking that it's not worth pressing on and, and that kind of stuff. So there's just a lot of really cool things going on in the story mm -hmm. and narrative. And we've talked so much about this in the past, but uh, it's hard to even start anywhere with this game. Yeah, I'll, what I'll say is The Last of Us is the only game really that my wife has like wholeheartedly like loved because she watched it from start to finish. She like, I picked it up again for PS4, remastered one of the games that I missed. And I was like, we got to play this game or I got to play this game. Um, you know, it's regarded as one of the best and it's got this great story and you might like it. And we were dating at the time. I remember just like starting it and she was like sitting on like the couch or the bed, like in the, in the, in the room. And I was just like in front of the TV, like, like playing <laughs> and you know, before I knew it, it had been like a few hours and she was just still there just like watching the entire time. And she was like asking questions. She's like, oh, who is that? Like, what is, like, what's going on? You know, like and she, like she was so invested and I was too. And so, I mean, that's, that's the highest praise I can give it is just like, it's just, it's such a, an enthralling story um, that I think pairs perfectly with the gameplay style that it is, you know, third person cover shooter. And it gives you the ability to explore some areas that are just gorgeous and like really well designed and also horrifying. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's really nothing wrong with this game. It's just all around fabulous. So I remember when the game came out, the opening sequence, um, which, you know, has now been redone by the show pretty well. It's probably the highlight of the show is the first episode. It's all downhill from there if you're watching. Uh, but um, yeah, I remember the first 30 minutes of that game. I wanted everyone to play it. Like I was dating Liz at the time, my wife, and I uh, made her play it. And she was like, this is crazy. And then we had a really good friend, um, Mallory, and like both of them played through it and neither of them had ever played a video game and I made them play it at separate times. Um, and then I let Ryan borrow my PS3 at the time. Uh, Ryan Darling, who's been on a couple of our Last of Us pods. Of Us. Yep. Um, I let him borrow it for like two weeks just to play The Last of Us. It's like, dude, you have to play this video game. It is absolutely better than, you know, I think anything that we could have expected video games to be. And he didn't, he wasn't really much of a gamer back then. He'd kind of been a lapsed gamer. Like so many of us have gone through those yeah. moments. Um, but I'm, I'm, Brought him I like back to in. think that's one of the things that hooked him back into the, 
the hobby. So um, maybe that like, maybe that was a friend move, or maybe it was a bad thing to do. I don't know, but um, it was man, the right. It's thing. just it's been so much fun talking about this game, thinking about this game for the past decade. And I, I will be honest, the show has kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I feel like they whiffed on the finale, which is the biggest talking point of the whole uh, series, probably. And mm. I feel like that I, I don't understand how the director, the showrunner seemed to have such a good grasp on it. And then they made some directive choices in that finale that literally made you, it forced your opinion of what was happening in the in the yeah. show. It, 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 like, like no one's going to walk away from the show and think that Joel did the right thing. And if you did, you're just like a sick person. Um, but in <laughs> the game, sick maniac. because of ludonarrative dissonance and uh, the fact that, you know, we're conditioned as gamers to run through levels and shoot bad guys because they're bad guys. Um, and you know, in the, in the cut scenes, that's the really heavy stuff. Like if we see a character do something like that, um, like, like killing somebody that's going to really weigh with us. Like you see everything unfold on the screen and it's not until afterwards until the second game that you realize the weight of Joel's actions, mm-hmm. um, have an effect they like just like a normal person if you go through and do something terrible like that there's going to be repercussions and um i don't know man this 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 series this game including the second one it's just it's just a brilliant narrative design yes so good can't believe they produced something like that on the ps3 you know it was near the end of the ps3's life cycle but that's that's why it was so i don't know just astounding yeah, you know, the PS3 had kind of, you know, it, it had sort of lost the race to the 360 uh, in terms of units sold and popularity and, you know, market share. But then they released The Last of Us, you know, and everyone was like, holy smokes, this is like one of the greatest games of our generation. Like, this is was that <laughs> was that like the Pokemon of. Because I know PS3 wound up beating Xbox 360 right at the end. It caught up right at the end. And, and it wasn't wonder... just because of The Last of Us, but that garnered a lot of goodwill and brought a lot of people back to PS3 and a lot of folks talking about it again. Because it was like, oh, The Last of Us, this is one of the greatest games ever made. Like, and it's only on PS3. We got we to gotta play this. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that brought, the, that brought them back into the conversation a little bit more than they had been prior. So a really cool story. Yep. Glad to have it as our number one. Good Same. job, good job, us on our our yeah, top. Well done, top to five. And, and we had only one one crossover, so that's great. So yeah, uh, well, real quick, Lander, do you want to rattle off the other uh, twenty games? Do you on here? You absolute maniac! <laughs> I told you, man. Like uh, doing this exercise, I just start had to stop and think. Like this is one of my favorite consoles of all time. And there's uh, to be perfectly candid. 24 and 23 on this list. I've never played. I've never played Mass Effect 2 or Metal Gear Solid 4. That's why they're so low. Um, I kind of think Metal Gear Solid is the most overrated franchise of all time, but I can't wait to play the collection to find out if I'm wrong or right about that hunch. I'm talking you said that. Okay. These are in no certain order. I just want to list off some of the games that absolutely wreck on the PS3. <laughs> Infamous 2. Mm-hmm. And you also have Infamous, of course. Borderlands, Mass Effect 2, Metal Gear Solid 4, Uncharted Drake's Fortune, Batman, Arkham Asylum, Batman, Arkham City, 
Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, Ratchet and Clank, A Crack in Time, Flower, Journey, Braid. Braid was amazing, by the way. Portal 2, The Orange Box, which had Portal, Half-Life 2, Half-Life Episode 1 and Episode 2 for the first time. Mm -hmm. Little Big Planet, Little Big Planet 2, an amazing platformer. Ratchet and Clank Future Tools of Destruction. Grand Theft Auto 4, Grand Theft Auto 5. Grand Theft Auto 5 released on the PS3. I forgot about that. Yes. The same year as The Last of Us and Nino Kuni. Been so long. Great year for video games. NBA Jam, On Fire Edition. Um, I, that almost made my top five, man. I freaking love that game. Uh, <laughs> Nino Cooney, Wrath of the White Witch. That's pretty much it. <laughs> That's Borderlands funny. 2 was also, uh, I didn't even mention that one, but that was another one that everybody liked, except for me. I love Borderlands, though. The first one was great. Borderlands. Man, that's another franchise that I haven't gotten into, but I know a lot of folks like the whole Dude, shitty. It's, it's a time waster. It's silly. And I liked the first one because it was cool and innovative concept. Very Diablo, but like with first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. And then two came out. It was like bigger, better, more. But at the same time, it was like... More guns. Okay, I can't wait. I, or I, I can't really not feel like I'm wasting away my life because I'm just doing the same loop over and over and over right. and over again so the only other honorable honorable mention that i had was like god of war that series that franchise I didn't even mention god of, god of war 3 um I but just god like god of war 3 they all kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger and better they they kind of stole some of the mechanics from shadow of the colossus and just made them way more exciting you know you're sprinting up the arms of a giant and stabbing him in the eye and yeah. doing all kinds of disgusting stuff and angry things but uh, you know, it has, I think it gets a bad rap today because of how one note Kratos really was in all of those games. But dude, at the time, you know, it was really cool. You're like, I'm doing I, nuts stuff. The only reason I didn't like God of War three a ton. And I still liked it. It's like a solid eight is I just thought two was better. I loved God of War two yeah. and I didn't think God of War three hit the same high notes. However, still a great game. Still great. Uh, real quick, by the way, your, your camera, I don't know if it's. Dude, what happened? Our thing, but you're really a you're really a you're a, you're a fuzzy guy right now. I think she's overheating. She's 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 getting <laughs> tuckered out. It's been an hour. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good way to close it out, anyways. Um. So yeah, there you have it, folks. If you haven't played any of those PS3 games, I would highly recommend them. I think you can play almost all of them on PS5 or PS4 if you have one of those, and you can play the much better versions, not the original forty-three cent version of uh, Skyrim. I think you can play <laughs> Skyrim Remastered at a lot of other places. So I'd recommend you do that. Uh, but yeah, a good time to be a gamer. And, uh, you know, I think another topic for another time would be like, what is the what is the best console? Like in terms of just absolute bangers across the board, that'd be a fun topic. Bangers. Absolute bangers. But unfortunately, all that is the end of our podcast. Listeners, what are some of your favorite PS3 games? Let us know by writing into bitcast at bitblogist.com. Landry, once again, thank you so much for being the co-host with the most. Is there anywhere uh, folks can find you on the interwebs or anything you want to plug? Yeah, uh, nothing to plug at the moment. X.com, Twitter, uh, Soft Iconoclast. You can find me there. The uh, say hello, I, I guess. Is that what people do on Twitter say these hi. days? Just text you um, hi. <laughs> Tweet you hi, Landry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll post uh, the shows whenever they come up and and uh, or retweet whatever Jake posts and that's where you'll see me. Sick. Sick. All right. And for me, it's just Bitblogist, B-I-T-B-L-O-G-G-I-S-T. You can go to bitbloggist.com and see all the content we have out there. 
and this will be up on the website as well. But also, really quick, wanted to shout out a little plug here. I'm going to be streaming potentially soon, and I put up a poll that was asking me about these three or four games. So if I was going to stream something, it'd be Ape Escape, Super Mario Galaxy, or Smash Ultimate. And right now, it's looking like a pretty close tie between Smash Ultimate and Ape Escape. Dude, um, you're going to reveal your Smash skills to the internet? I guess you've already streamed that I've lot. streamed a few times um, on there, but that, that I, uh, has the most votes right now. I voted for that, Jake. What do you think I voted for? Probably Galaxy. Yeah, you would think that. Uh, (laughs) No, I voted for Apescape because uh, that's... You would think that. I like that game quite a bit. I played it for the first time last year, and I don't know if you've ever played it, and I think you should. It's got some really interesting concepts. I remember just playing the very first opening part of it and being like, I love this. You can swing your sword with the joystick this is so cool and then i just never went back so yeah i'm it's on playstation right now i think you can get it on like the the catalog and you can just get it for like 10 bucks okay say it's i know it's on the premium edition Mm -hmm. so i just picked that sucker up and i'm playing it i'm pumped so sweet we will we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll stream that one day one day next week so look out for that but unfortunately that is the end and I messed that up. Until next time, this has been BitCast. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to talk about some stuff.